Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and PhD with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. My co-host Larry Dersham and I have a great show for you tonight and we're going to start celebrating. Celebrating that as San Diegans and as Californians that we are officially back out of our homes. However, we're out of the black and into the purple. We are back in the purple tier, but that is a step in the right direction. I know a lot of you have been celebrating. A lot of you have been going out to your favorite restaurant that actually now has the patio open just in time for the cold, the wind, and the rain. And I'm going to ask Larry about that in just a minute. But we have officially returned as a uh, as a state and certainly as a city and a county to the tiered system. Now, what does that mean? If you look at the map, you will see that most of California is out of the black but into the purple, as I mentioned. Our goal is to slide from purple to red which is least restrictive in terms of where we are now and where we've been and where we hopefully are headed. Um, We're not there yet. We still have to be very vigilant and careful as we have these new strains circulating that are more contagious. Um, But it's also uh, really making us give some pause and think about how we can help each other. What do I mean by that? Larry and his beautiful wife, they go out quite a bit to support local business. I can't tell you how much takeout we've had in the last couple of months because we're trying to keep everybody in business and collectively we can do exactly that and help each other as a community. I mean, Larry, you have a great story about sort of, I don't want to steal your thunder, but um, enjoying an experience you never really thought you would under normal circumstances. Where did you go and what happened? Right. It was just yesterday, Friday, Wendy, that uh, we decided to go out uh, for lunch at a Vietnamese restaurant. And uh, it was really good. But, uh, you know, we went out there and it was pretty chilly yesterday, the weather. But we had to eat outside and we were under a tent, but it was still freezing. But we had some really hot uh, soup, Vietnamese soup called pho. uh, And it was just really enjoyable, except for the weather. So but what, what was so funny, Wendy, the, 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 every table was full and there was a line forming for people to uh, get there. I think people are so anxious to get back to normalcy uh, that they, when they had that green light to open up the restaurants, at least for outside, that people just kind of streamed over there. So it was enjoyable, but, but cold. That's right. And you know what I, what I love about that story, Larry, is under normal circumstances, we would go to a restaurant like that. And if we were asked if we wanted to sit on the patio, we would say, are you kidding me? Right. It's 60 degrees. Yet here there was a line at the restaurant where you and your wife had lunch simply because people wanted to get out and go to a restaurant. Now, if we make it into the red tier, which I hope we do, then obviously there's going to be indoor dining allowed and indoor gyms and all of the types of things that we're used to. Um, one thing I do want to mention about what happened this last week is when everything opened, some you know suddenly, according to a lot of businesses, they were sort of caught off guard. Many of which um, had just told their employees, "Look, don't expect to come back for a period of time." So they were they were pleased but not prepared, and that caused a big scramble at the beginning of the week, trying to put things together in time to try to open as quickly as they possibly could without necessarily having employees sitting by the phone believing they were going to be called back to work. Some of them weren't even in town. 
Oh, oh yeah. You have to get prepared for that. And exactly. It's like, it's, it's hard to prepare because they they open them up and then they close them down and so forth. It's kind of keeping us off balance uh, as a, uh, a workforce and as our economy. Uh, but luckily the economy seems to be holding up pretty good so far. And that's well, good speak, Speaking of that, you know, one of the ways in which we can uh, help our economy is obviously by uh, continuing to drive down the numbers. Like I always say, momentum depends on math. How many people are infected per 100,000 people? How many ICU beds do we have? But speaking of math, we also have to speak about masks because President Biden has instituted a mask mandate. Now, he said he would. That's what he ran on. He explained that this was going to be a big part of his 100 days. He wanted it to be, you know, 100 days of masking. But we are going a little bit further than that. Uh, And I'm talking about the CDC order, um, the transportation restrictions. Now, here's what struck me about this, Larry, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. But, you know, we've joked on the show before about, you know, what's a mask? Is Is double masking a thing? We know we can't double dip, but should we double mask? What about triple masking? And people are actually asking these questions as we learn more about transmissibility. So this particular order actually defines something that had been undefined for for eight, nine months, and that is, what is a mask? So the order actually talks about the attributes of masks that would be needed to qualify this transportation order. If you're on a bus or in a taxi or on a plane, they talk about cloth masks being made with two or more layers of a breathable fabric that is tightly woven, but but, uh, you may have read about this, Larry, does not let light pass through when held up to a light source. So if light passes through, that is not an acceptable mask. So that also means no more bandanas, no more pulling your uh, pulling your shirt up over your, your mouth, and you must have your nose covered also. So whereas many of the executive orders and the mandates, quote unquote, that different cities and counties and states were recommending, some even requiring, they were talking about face coverings. Now, per the CDC, you actually have to wear something that qualifies per the guidelines they're giving you as a mask. Is that what you saw when you were out for lunch yesterday? Well, it's funny, Wendy. They talk about the masks have to be up to a standard where it doesn't allow light to pass through, was it? But what about the coronavirus, which is so small? I've heard from many medical professionals that the coronavirus is so small that it easily passes through most masks. Maybe the N95 is an exception, but I'm not sure this is going to do the uh, the trick as far as preventing the coronavirus from getting uh, to a person's lungs, for example. That's exactly why there are more and more articles about triple masking. Now, of course, those of us that have compromised family members or many people have uh, somebody that's elderly living with them, um, N95s are actually on this list, even though it has an exhale valve, because normally that would be something that wouldn't be permitted. So, I mean, I know lots of people that wear an N95 and then they've got the shield. So they're being very careful, not necessarily for themselves, but they're protecting somebody else. Um, many people can't take the vaccine or choose not to take the vaccine. And even if you're vaccinated, Larry, what would be to prevent you from touching a surface in one area and, and then touching another surface elsewhere? Those are the arguments. You know, we like to present both sides of everything. Those are the arguments that are being um, being put forth in order to justify why we're being so careful. Now, obviously, I've told you about a travel-related restriction. So that wouldn't necessarily mean that that's going to apply to you when you're having lunch or when you're shopping at Walmart or doing anything else. But this mandate really has been something um, that's really been in the mix because President Biden has sure been signing a lot of executive orders the last couple of days, maybe even a record amount in a record short period of time. 
Oh, he absolutely has. And I'll tell you what, Wendy, this is just my own thoughts. Now I'm going into my opinion mode here. Do you think that uh, President Biden actually had those pre-prepared himself? Do you think that President—you don't have to answer this—President Biden actually read those executive orders? They came out so fast and furious. And this is one thing I want people just to know about. Did you know that uh, President Obama and his wife Michelle live less than two miles away from the White House in a rented home? And uh, in there, they also have his— His assistant, Valerie Jarrett, and her husband are living there, too. And it says, according to Lisa's Daily Mail, it's from the U.K., that uh, his whole point of staying that close is he was trying to mount an impeachment effort against President Trump. So I'm just wondering, some people actually call this uh, president that we have Joe Biden, or I mean, uh, Joe Obama. Joe Bama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people are so clever with their acronyms. You know, yeah. the executive orders, um, uh, I have a couple of thoughts on those. Remember, he fully intended to undo a lot of what uh, President Trump had done. But even Joe Biden would, even President Biden would agree with um, lots of actually bipartisan support that it is safer and longer lasting to accomplish things through legislation, yes. through Congress, through actually, you know, uh, in, having new laws that he signs because executive orders, I mean, everything that he's putting into practice, whether you like it or not, uh, over the last couple of days, if a Republican comes into office in four years or eight years, could just all be undone. So I think he would be the first one to say, and he, he actually did say this on the campaign trail, that one of his selling points was his ability to reach across the aisle. You know, one thing President Biden is known for, it has been kindness. Um, he really has had that soft touch in terms of building friendships and, you know, the kind of person that maybe you you do want to have a cup of coffee with. Now, you couldn't have a beer with President Trump because he doesn't drink, but maybe you want to have a beer with Joe Biden. <laughs> so he had that likability factor going for him that might translate into the ability to pass more legislation on a bipartisan basis. So given that, many people are wondering, um, both Democrats and Republicans, why he's not going that route more likely and more frequently than signing all those executive orders. Exactly. He should go through the legislative process. I agree. I worry a little bit, Wendy, about all the uh, the troops around the Capitol. They're talking about making a permanent wall around the Capitol. That's never mm. been done. Very worrisome. And now the impeachment. They're trying to impeach uh, a president that's, that's out of office now. It's never been done before. It was tried back once in uh, 1876. 1876. That's yeah. right. Uh, against this war secretary uh, yeah the war uh, secretary of war because he was had some money dealings going on he was out of office but uh, they actually impeached him they had a trial in the senate but uh because he was out of office uh, nothing happened but he did stay he was acquitted he was acquitted and uh, he stayed there in dc as a lawyer uh, for the rest of his uh, working days, I guess. But uh, what's interesting about President Trump uh, in the impeachment, they include, uh, they, they say that he's guilty of uh, inciting a riot, but also that uh, he's also guilty of spreading uh, lies about the fraud. There was fraud in the election. Well, that could give him a window to fight back against that. So I'm hoping his lawyers will take that up and fight that. Yeah, no, it's, it's a very interesting, um, a very interesting topic. We're going to talk more about it next week, obviously, uh, particularly because so many Republicans don't even think we should have this trial to begin with, which would then, of course, be followed by the second vote designed to prevent it from holding office again. Um, that is very interesting, and I promise we're going to talk about it, but we are going to take a break for now. We want you to stick with us. We have somebody on the other side of the break that is very astutely aware of our second 
Amendment rights. We spent so much time on the First Amendment. We're going to transition to the second. So don't touch that dial, folks. We will be back with more today with Dr. Wendy in just a minute. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back to Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick. My co-host Larry Dersham and I have a special treat for you this second half. So we tease this up that we're going to segue from talking about the First Amendment to the Second Amendment. Uh, a Second Amendment, of course, says a well-regulated militia being necessary to secure a free state, right of people to bear arms. We all know what it says. We also know that it can be very controversial, uh, but very important. So we're going to have somebody on right now, I understand, that is an expert in Second Amendment law, uh, a, a real diehard gun guy who just received two new kittens for Christmas. So it just goes to show you, Larry, everybody has a soft side. Who do we have on the line? Yes, Wendy. Today we have uh, Michael Schwartz. Michael is the executive director of San Diego County Gun Owners. It's a political organization that focuses on expanding and restoring Second Amendment rights within San Diego County. And SDCGO, that's the abbreviation for it, was formed to counter the passage of aggressive new government legislation and regulations designed to eliminate the firearms industry and the ownership and use of firearms. Welcome to the program, Michael. Thank you so much for having me on. And Michael, we know that you are a a fellow KCBQ host yourself. We know that you have a, uh, a, a program on Sundays, and I'm sure you'll let us know about exactly when that's on as well. But in reading your bio and looking uh, into a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your platform, um, I love the kitten story because that is just adorable. And it made me think, how did a guy like this become interested in guns? How did this start for you? Well, I've always had an interest, you know, ever since I was a, a kid growing up in the 80s and watching action movies and that sort of thing. I've always had kind of a passive interest. And, then, you know, I started playing paintball in high school. Um, and so just gun ownership as, as kind of a, uh, of a hobby, um, you know, uh, came pretty early in adulthood, but the activism part came when my wife and I were out, uh, practicing, uh, target shooting in the desert and we were doing everything legally and we really got harassed by some, uh, Bureau of land management law enforcement agents for no reason. And we, we realized that they didn't understand the law, that, that the laws for, for gun ownership were really confusing. And uh, long story short is that it really got to me. It really affected me. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to wait around for someone else to stand up and do something. I'm going to stand up and do something and get really active in the political world to see if we can, you know, ch- change some things, change things for the better and, and stand up for the Second Amendment uh, you know, like the civil right that it really truly is. Right. Hey, Michael, I, I'm going to go from the local level to the national level. Does your organization have any concerns about the effect of the incoming Biden administration uh, that it will have on gun ownership rights in America? Huge concerns. Uh, he, he's already, if you just look at, at, at his website, his campaign website, where he talks about what he wants to do when it comes to gun ownership, this is the most restrictive 
president. It's going to be the most restrictive administration. And now that, uh, you know, his, his allies control both chambers of Congress, it's going to be the most restrictive federal government when it comes to Second Amendment rights that we've ever seen ever. Wow. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, they're looking to have bans on certain types of rifles. Um, they're looking to implement uh, mental health tests on all gun owners. They're looking to make gun ownership financially prohibitive um, by taxing gun ownership and, and the ownership of certain magazines um, and uh, doing things like removing protections from gun manufacturers so that they can be sued for, like, you know, the misuse of a firearm. For example, let's say uh, a criminal uses a firearm in the commission of a crime. Um, they want to remove certain legal protections so that the victim of the crime can go after the gun manufacturer. Mm. And now that'd be like, uh, you know, if, if someone got hit by a drunk driver, uh, you know, the, the victim going after Ford for, exactly. uh, you know, for, for what the drunk driver did. You know, Michael, you bring up the, the good point about safety and everybody that owns guns or that even supports the Second Amendment is uh, just absolutely concerned about gun safety. And and that encompasses everything from keeping guns out of the hands of the wrong people to making the, the background checks sufficient to the mental the mental health issues you mentioned. But it also has to do with gun owners responsibility to know how to store them, where to store them. Um, who to keep them away from, how to use them. Um, and I understand your organization really prioritizes gun safety, not just the, the right to own them, but the really the mandate of knowing and the responsibility of knowing how to use and store them safely. Yeah, we are unapologetic about the fact that uh, the Second Amendment, your right to keep and bear arms is a right, but we are also adamant that it is an enormous responsibility so we do a lot of things in the way of training. We partner with, with different uh, gun shops and gun trainers in town and make sure that we, uh, you know, get people the, the resources that they need to be successful, to be proficient, and to be safe. So we're absolutely, uh, you know, a lot of people complain, and we got complain, and we're against almost all these regulations. I, I can't think of, of one of the regulations that the Biden administration is proposing that we like, but... Uh, the reality is um, a big antidote to government overreach is personal responsibility. So if you get the training and you, you, uh, you know, get the safety training and the knowledge that you need to uh, be proficient and safe, um, you know, a lot of these uh, proposals won't even get proposed. Hmm. So we, we, do, we do a lot of things. We train new shooters. We give seminars. Uh, we, we have professional um, you know, licensed uh, 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 gun instructors give courses, uh, but we definitely act, you know, we're a political organization, but we definitely act as a clearinghouse or a resource so that folks can get the training that they need. And we encourage training, not just the minimum amount of training that's recommended, but as much training as you can possibly fit into your schedule and your budget. Uh, Michael, if somebody in San Diego County wanted to purchase a firearm today, what would be the steps involved? Is there a background check? Is there a waiting period? How does it work? Good question. There's, there's a lot. In California, first, you can only purchase a firearm in the state where you're a resident. So if you live in California, you can't go to another state and purchase a firearm. You have to go through uh, a, a licensed, a federally licensed dealer in the state of California. 
what you would do is you'd go to the shop, you would pick the firearm that is best for you. Um, you know, they'll be able to give you all kinds of advice. You know, you can go to certain ranges and rent, you can go to teachers and try different firearms. But once you've decided, hey, this is the firearm that I think best suits my needs, then a bunch of paperwork starts. You actually have to take a test and they'll help you with the test. They'll administer the test. They'll give you a study guide for the test. Um, after you've completed the test, you have to go through a background check. Uh, the background check makes sure that you're not a prohibited person. You're not, you're not a felon. You're not someone that's dangerous or you've ever been committed to a mental institution, something like that. Um, and then there is, there's a 10 day wait period and it's, it's 10 full days down to the second. Um, and there's a, a function test before you can actually take the firearm home with you. You have to prove to the dealer that you can actually, uh, you know, maneuver the firearm and use the firearm and you know exactly what the safety does and exactly how to load it and where the magazine and the ammunition goes and, and, uh, you know, that, that type of thing. Um, so Michael, it's, um, it's an, it, I was going to say, it sounds like um, there it's a, a process that is very important for a lot of reasons. And uh, I, I have to ask you, though, before we run out of time, I understand your organization hosts some uh, some gatherings. And uh, I can hardly say this this on the air because I'm sure it means something different than it sounds like it means. But I understand you host what you call shooting socials, which obviously yeah. means um, socializing with fellow gun owners. But uh, what are those? So the shooting socials are really cool. It's, they're mostly designed for folks who have little to no experience with firearms. It's a it's an opportunity for for a really inexpensive uh, uh, you know uh, price. It's fifty dollars, and we will pair you up with an experienced person, um, mm -hmm. ten to twenty people at a time. Typically, we will pair you up one on one with an experienced gun owner. They'll give you a first time shooting experience. So they'll make sure that you're safe, you know exactly what you're doing, and that you can get about 50 rounds usually through a, through a pistol. Um, we'll show them shotguns and rifles as well, but they spend a lot of time with a pistol. They get a safety briefing. Um, they get eye and ear protection. There are range safety officers there. It's on a uh, commercial range. Um, so it's an extremely safe and educational environment. Um, it's not a substitute for a class. It's really a uh, first-time shooting experience to kind of take the mystery out of it and give you a foundation so you can move forward, uh, purchase a firearm, or take more professional training. I hope it is a dry event. And when I, when I heard about the shooting socials, I said, that has got to be a dry <laughs> event. In other words, no alcohol, because we all know that um, when it comes to guns, we and it sounds like your organization is, is right on top of all of this. If you are going to own a gun, like you said very articulately, it is a serious responsibility. And it sounds like that is part of the rationale for pairing new gun owners. We're not talking about pairing wine and food. We're talking about pairing experts with novices to make sure that the novices make it through all of those hoops. Um, I know that uh, unfortunately we're almost out of time, but tell us quickly about what time your show is on on Sundays. Sure, Gun Owners Radio is on KCBQ 1170 every Sunday from four to 6 p.m. live. Um, so listen to us. You can also uh, catch us on any of the podcast streaming services and uh, love to have love to have you check out our show well by the way real quick the shooting social it came from ice cream socials 
Oh. So rather than an ice cream <laughs> it's a shooting oh, with I am so glad. Okay, so we started with kittens and we're ending with ice cream. And somehow we talked about guns in the middle of there. So I think that's adorable? a successful second half of the show. So thank you very much for everyone um, for joining us. And thank you, Michael, for joining us and explaining all that to us as well. We want to wish everybody a wonderful, safe weekend, a great week. Please join us next Saturday, 6 p.m. for more of Today with Dr. Wendy. Headlines with a silver lining. Have a great week and God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego.